So this morning we're going to be studying uh, the prophet Isaiah. We're going to be hanging with him for a while, and then we're going to jump around a little bit at the end. Uh, but we're going to consider this morning uh, the, the arrival or the waiting uh, of hope, or hope to arrive. Uh, as you guys know, we're starting an Advent uh, season here in preparation for Christmas, and it begins with the fourth Sunday before Christmas Eve, which we're going to have a Christmas Eve see, uh, service at five. Uh, hope you guys can make it for that. But Advent means arrival, appearing, visit, or coming. Okay, How many of you guys have gone through an Advent before personally? Cool, a handful of you guys. If you haven't, I'd encourage you guys to do that. Uh, there's a couple books up front that you can do from a Jewish perspective for your uh, family. If you've got kids, there's a bunch of stuff online to go through. But it's just good to really consider the coming of Christ. What does that mean? I know there's some people within the church that want nothing to do with Christmas. For us as believers, Christmas should be a reality of our lives every single day. Because if he didn't come, guys... What's the point? So, we consider Advent, the arrival, appearing, the visit, the coming. Christianity has two great arrivings. Do you guys know that? We have Christ's first coming, his first arrival at the incarnation, which we celebrate, okay, Christmas, the first Advent. And the second is when Christ returns. And when he does, what is he going to do, guys? He's going to establish his kingdom. Do you guys look forward to that? Yeah. I know we're placing a lot of hope in fallen people to get things together for us and make things good. But I, at least in my lifetime, things aren't really getting good. Okay? I, I see things falling apart. But as a son of God's, I kind of look forward to his return because when he comes to set up his kingdom, is it going to be a good kingdom, guys? Oh, I can't wait. Is he going to be able to lead in a good way? Righteously. Set up justice. I can't wait. We're going to consider some of those scriptures this morning together. But when he comes the second time, he will establish his kingdom. And this is called the second advent or the second coming of Christ. And that's what we eagerly anticipate. So the first one is what we celebrate. The second one is what we anticipate. Advent's a good thing, guys. So, Advent also <clears throat> allows us as a, uh, to cultivate space in our lives in remembering and anticipating Jesus Christ together. So, in Advent, we rem are reminded of how much we need a Savior. And as we look towards the second coming, we even prepare to celebrate. Um, we celebrate with, the, with Christmas, His first coming, but we look forward to we place our hope there. So there's four themes of Advent. Hope, love, joy, and peace. That's what we're going to go through the next few weeks. The cover of your bulletin has hope on it. So we're going to talk about hope this morning, and we're probably going to look at it a little differently than you've heard before in Christmas messages. Because I kind of looked through some Christmas messages, and there's a lot of great sermons out there on hope. But the passage they always use is found many times here in Isaiah chapter 9, but there's not really the context around Isaiah 9 of why it was hope for the children of Israel. Okay? We know our hope is in Christ today. What I'd like to do today is look into why these scriptures were so meaningful 
to the children of Israel. So if you haven't turned there already, Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look here um, at the progressive lighting, um, the, the reality um, of Christ's coming, okay? And with his second coming yet before us. So let's take a read here. We'll pick it up in verse 1. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulon and the land of Nephtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor in the day of Midian, for every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning in fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So what Isaiah the prophet was able to do here in delivering the word of the Lord to the people of Israel was to give them something that they desperately needed. And that was hope. You see, these were dark days for Israel. It was a time of spiritual, moral decay, time of injustice and wickedness, of rebellion against their Lord, and at a time which the Lord was chastening Israel in their rebellion. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Let's turn to chapter 1 together. Isaiah begins to prophesy. This is what the Lord told Isaiah to tell the children of Israel. Look at verse 2 in chapter 1. Hear, O heavens, and give ear. So listen up, O earth, <laughs> for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not consider. A lost sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Now you guys see here in verses 2 to 4, rebellion, 
of the children of Israel. And we also see the sadness of the Lord. Their effects, the effects of one's sin. Do you guys, our sin affects so much more than we know. Do you guys know that? They have consequences. People are very selfish and they don't understand how much their selfishness not affects just them, but their spouse, their family, their extended family, society as a whole. And here, it's very evident in the next few verses what Israel's sin has done. Look at verse 5. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in the vineyard, as a hut in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom and, Sodom, and we would have been made like Gomorrah. So Israel was bruised, was beaten from the effects of their own sin, and they would also suffer under the Lord's righteous judgment. In 722 BC, we know the Assyrians came and took captive the children of Israel, brought them into bondage. And again later, in 586 BC, the Babylonians did the same thing, the exile. Then you had the Medo-Persian Empire, you had the Greeks in control, and then the Romans took over all, and they were enslaved. The scepter was actually removed from Israel during the Roman Empire. And the Jewish people were tripping out because our Messiah was promised to be here by now. Where is he? What's going on? Well, the problem, guys, is they couldn't save themselves. And they too should have known that the Savior was coming. And all they were doing was religiously playing. That's all they were doing. And God doesn't like that, does he? I want you guys to catch as we continue on here what the Lord is going to do. The I wills here. Look at verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord. You rulers of Sodom, give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? Says the Lord. I have had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of the fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or the lambs or goats. And when you come to appear before me, who has required this of your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity in the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. And when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. 
Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins were like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Hmm. Don't you love that the Lord has spoken? Sometimes we sit and we wonder, why is this all going on? I see this happening. Well, God's spoken. And here he's spoken specifically to the children of Israel. I'm going to make this conditional covenant with you guys. Promise. If you do this, hey, you can be blessed. But if you rebel and don't listen, you're going to reap the consequences of it. And some people sit here and wonder, why is God allowing this and allowing that? Do we live in a time and a place among a people who are doing what God's asked? We can't even get them to pick up his word and to read it. They don't even know what he's asking. All they know is we don't want to do what he wants us to do. We want to do our own thing because we know best. Shame on us, huh? Who are we to say what's right and what's wrong? He is the creator. He's calling the shots. And even despite our rebellion to him, even to the point we live in a land that doesn't even want to recognize him anymore, is God still gracious? Is he still merciful? Does his loving kindness still find mankind? Absolutely. That's why I love the promises that we find, the hope that we see in Isaiah 9. Let's turn back there real quick. We'll read it one more time. But this time as we read through, I want you guys really to catch, grab a hold of what he has promised to do, what he is going to do. Look at verse 3 this time, Isaiah 9, 3. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood, they're going to be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name's going to be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of this increase, his government and peace, there is no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We in our best efforts try to do what's right, but aren't we failing miserably? That's human history, guys. The Lord's going to come, and he's going to do this. Now, 
There would be such a long time of suffering under the weight and the effects of their own sin and under the righteous judgment um, they had incurred. Though these hundreds of years of difficult ups and downs for the children of Israel, what had they, <laughs> what were they clinging to? They were clinging to hope. That's what they were holding on to. And that's what I want you guys to see this morning, is they were hanging on to hope. And it's not the kind of hope that we think of. Ours is so vague, optimistic feeling, okay? This hope is a biblical hope, okay? It's a, it's a sort of hope the biblical writers, when they write of hope, it carries a sense of certainty, do you guys know when hope is spoken of in the Bible? It's not wishful thinking. I really hope this happens. You know, it's, it's a sure thing. It's an absolute. We can trust his word. And because we are not hoping for some turn of chance, our hope is in God. Our hope is in what he has said. Now again, look at verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. Now we see this fulfilled. You guys recall Matthew chapter 4. That's when he begins to call his disciples. Jesus now comes. He's now arrived. He's starting his public ministry. And he actually quotes this right here from Isaiah when he begins his ministry. This is what he said. And then he calls people to repentance, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he starts recruiting his disciples. Isn't that cool? We look at this passage and we see how cool it is. But it makes it that much cooler because this is what Jesus started his ministry with. This is the point I've come. There is a hope. And that hope is me. I'm going to do this. I'm your creator. I'm not just a son. I am mighty God. I am the prince of peace. I'm going to set up this government upon my shoulders. Now, has he fulfilled all this? Is Jesus ruling and reigning today? I don't see him sitting on the throne of David today. But we who've studied the scriptures have rightly divided it. The Jews strip, trip out with the prophet Isaiah they read all the prophecies and they understand it's speaking of the Messiah, but they're so confused that they believe that there's two Messiahs that are going to come. We have an understanding that, no, there's one Messiah. He has come. He did something so radical to set us free, to give us life, eternal life. He died. He rose again. And they, don't have, they have a hard time understanding how can the Messiah, who's supposed to rule and reign, suffer in such a way and die. They don't understand that there's one Messiah. He did die, but he rose again in victory. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father and he's waiting. He's waiting for Dad to say, okay, go get him. <laughs> it's time. It's time. Do we know when that time's going to be? No, the last two weeks here we've studied prophecy. What did Jesus talk about concerning the last days? We looked in depth at that. We see the times and the seasons are set right before us. We see the Bible speaking about today more than any other time in history. And it's exciting. We read prophecies like this. We consider Advent. 
his coming and his coming again, we should be excited. We shouldn't be like the Israelites who before Jesus came there in Matthew 4 and spoke of the prophet Isaiah. Before John arrived, you read just a little bit earlier in Matthew there, John the Baptist came. And he's the greatest prophet who ever lived. Jesus called him the greatest man who ever lived. Wasn't he the forerunner preparing the way for our Lord to come? Yeah. And you think about that time just before then, there was silence. No prophet in Israel for 400 years. Do you think they were pretty hopeless at this point, at this time? Absolutely. God's given up on us. We've rebelled too many times. We've sinned too bad. There's no hope left. But guys, one thing is sure. We can always trust God and we can always trust his word. It might not happen as fast as we want (laughs) or the way we think it should shake out, but know that his word is sure and he is faithful. He's fulfilled all prophecy thus far, literally, physically, okay? And there's a lot left that's shaking out right now and it's exciting to see happen. So you guys, we have a hope. So as days get darker, what are we reading here? Hey, there's a light that's come. Which brings us here. um, Actually, I want to read a passage. Yeah, You guys can turn to Isaiah 59 right now. And as you do that, I want you to listen to this passage that was written to the Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. Listen carefully. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Okay, this is a letter written to the Hebrews. Okay, lay hold of what? The hope. Who is our hope? It's Christ. Okay, it's not a thing, it's a person. It is God Himself. And verse 19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the veil. So the promise was that God himself would deliver them from their own sins and its effects. That he would be that hope, that anchor. So this, this does, or this idea of hope of Israel, it helps us prepare for Christmas. These scriptures help us to realize that Christ has already come. And aren't you guys glad that you have him as an anchor? You guys know what an anchor does? Keeps you where you're supposed to be. Okay? They're nice. I've done a little bit of fishing. Okay? Now, I've rarely, you know, threw an anchor in and stayed exactly where I wanted to be because there's a little bit of rope and I move. You guys ever go out fishing? You know, if the wind's blowing, you might blow a little bit to one side, a little bit to the side. If it's really windy, you might even do a circle. You know, that's really fun, okay? But the cool thing is, when you have that anchor, you're not going to drift away. You're not going to get lost. Though the storms may come and you might get rocked a little bit, blown around a little bit, you're still going to be where you need to be. And that is Christ for us. We're going to get tossed around a little bit in this life, aren't we? But he's the anchor of our soul, guys. He's our hope. We cling to him. Amen? All right. Now, in Isaiah 59 here, 
We identify with Israel's waiting, and we ourselves recognize that we are waiting too. Okay? So I'm going to read through this chapter, but I want you guys to pay attention because there's a lot here for us. Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does anyone plead for truth. They trust, they trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch viper eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies. And from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. In the way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Therefore, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like, a blind, like the blind, and we grope as if, if, if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday, as at twilight, and we are as dead men in a desolate places. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us, and our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. And in transgressing, in lying against the Lord, in departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, justice is turned back, and the righteous stands afar off. The truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. So truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness he sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a bright breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with the zeal with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds and accordingly he will repay and furry to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. The coastlands 
he will fully repay. So shall the fear, the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemies come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. And as for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from your mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, in deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. We are waiting for hope to arrive again, guys. We are waiting for that. The first couple of verses here in chapter 60, we have a youth group here called Rise Youth Group. This is the passage that this youth group is named after. Because there is a light that has come. God has promised to do this thing. He's made this covenant. And we are to hand it down from our descendants to their descendants. You guys understand how important family is. How important it is to train our children in the ways of the Lord. Why? Because there is a hope. And that hope is in Christ alone. And if we're not giving them Jesus, we're not giving them hope at all, guys. And this light has come. And aren't we called to be light to shine before men? Absolutely. Do you not know that you are the light of the world, brothers and sisters? Let your light shine. Let it shine. Let's turn to Romans 8. There's a few verses here that will tie into this hope coming again. Last few verses there. That's prophecy that was given that is being spoken of today of this dispensation of grace in which we live in today. Now, the Apostle Paul writes to the Roman believers in chapter 8. We'll jump down to verse 18 together. And he says here, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time... So if you're suffering, pay attention. If you're not suffering, you're going to go through it at some point in life. So here we go. They're not worthy whatever you're going through is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility or corruption, your translation may say, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in what? Hope. You guys see how important hope is? Now look at verse 21. Because creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty or freedom of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even when we ourselves groan within ourselves, 
eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is not seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Are you persevering this morning, saint? I hope so. Life isn't easy. We may feel this way, but we stand in truth. We stand in this hope. Now, progressive nature of salvation here. Okay, Christmas was not the end. It's just the beginning. He's coming again. Okay, That's what we should be excited about as believers. Yeah, we celebrate Christmas, but man, Jesus is coming back again. And I can't wait. I hope you can't wait, because it's going to be good. I was listening to a song again this week, or you may have seen the bumper sticker, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> you know? My brother walked in the door, and we just had a short chat about that this morning. We're all... <laughs> Amen, Aiden, I'm with you. <laughs> but that's what we do as believers. We're always preparing to die, but it's always hard when we lose a loved one or when we're facing death ourselves. And I want us to be prepared well. There is a place to mourn, to grieve, but we have a hope, guys. We have a hope that is sure, that is real. And I can't wait. And it might not that be long, <laughs> that long, because Jesus could come back at any time, guys. We could see our loved ones anytime soon. That's kind of exciting to think about. But we have this hope that is sure. So as we begin to wrap things up, I want to change gears just a little bit. Here's one thing I want to encourage you guys to do as we begin this Christmas season. Make room for Jesus. If we're honest, things get a little crazy, don't they, this time of year? They get a little busy. I brought my deer in to get processed. And the lady um, who was working there, she did, now Black Friday is not just Friday morning like you get up at like crazy early. It actually starts on Thanksgiving now. Stores are opening. She was out shopping until four in the morning. And she had to get a couple hours of sleep before she went to work. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's crazy. You know, and there's nothing wrong with shopping. There's nothing wrong with getting gifts for others. But we can get consumed by that stuff. Because in our conversation, that's all she wanted to talk about was that stuff. And I'm thinking, man, all this stuff, do you know Jesus? Do you know why we do all this stuff? What it's all about? The joy that God's given to us as we celebrate the reality of Christmas? Man, we should be rejoicing. should be a good time, but we get so burdened down by all the stuff, all the extra so I want to go through just a few passages to make sure that we're in a good spot, that our thinking is right, that we're giving place, making room for Jesus. Now, let's turn to um, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. So Israel's waiting for the promised child began to come to an end when the angel Gabriel made an announcement about John the Baptist. What? <laughs> so, we're going to pick it up here in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. 
And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. In other words, they were too old to have babies. Verse 8, So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was, pr- was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Verse 13, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayers, or your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many from the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So preparing for the Lord... Let's think about that for a moment this morning. Preparing. What does that look like? You guys think repentance should be in the mix of preparing? Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but repentance is one of the sweetest words in all the Bible. Some people cringe at it. Ah, repent. No. No, it's sweet. Why wouldn't you want to turn to God? Yeah. We get so caught up into things. We start going our own way, doing our own thing. No, turn back to God. Repenting is sweet. Prioritizing. Okay? A lot of things happening. But is God going to be number one? Are you going to make Him a priority? Saint, that should be part of our daily lives. Not just Christmas season. But because of Christmas season, sometimes He gets pushed back. No, He needs to be brought to the forefront. Also, what are we pursuing? What are we rejoicing in this season? Are we rejoicing in the hope of that new blue car? I hope not. We're rejoicing in a God that loves us so much that he came to save us and that he's coming again. That's what we rejoice in. So don't let the Christmas season just happen to you. Lay hold of the hope that has been brought to us in Christ and the hope that is coming to us in Christ. So each day, thank God for what you've been given. The first advent, white as wool, Emmanuel, that God is actually with us. Shame and guilt, man, Christ took care of that on the cross. Eternal life, sin and death has been beaten. Tell God what you're looking forward to in the second coming. Some of you guys might have a hard time sleeping. (laughs) Instead of counting sheep, count your blessings. Talk with him about what you're looking forward to. I look forward to his coming. 
I mean, I look forward to Thanksgiving. Hey, get to eat some turkey. I like turkey. Hey, Christmas is coming. That's a great time. I got young kids. This is a real fun season. But let me tell you what, guys. Everything we look forward to, it comes and goes, doesn't it? And I don't know about you guys, the things I really build up and I really look forward to often are a big time letdown because there's so much build up in my head about something and then it happens and I'm like, that stunk. <laughs> or am I the only one that does that? Okay, good. Anyways, <laughs> but I don't and I can't imagine that happening with Christ's coming. I think even in our most exhaustive creative juices <laughs> of dreaming what it might be like, I don't think we're even going to come close to how cool it's going to be when Jesus finally comes back and sets everything straight, guys. So dream on those things. Think about those things. I'd rather be consumed on those type of things than all the negative junk in life. So look forward to the second advent, okay? Where political, disease, injustice... Man, we're going to see our loved ones again. We're going to be glorified. We're going to have hair again. I mean, it's going to be wonderful, okay? So even these dark days as we face many trials and troubles, we have great promises. Psalm 146 verse 5 says this, Joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Is that a promise? It is, guys. That is a promise. We also see in Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Another great promise, huh? certain we hold to that hope you can jot down romans 15 13 i think this would be a good advent prayer for us this year it says this now may the god of hope now may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the holy spirit God doesn't want you just to make it through life, saint. And some of us, I think we get into that mentality, I just need to make it through. <laughs> I know I'm going to make it to him one day because I believe, or maybe he's going to come back and get me sooner than that. But until then, I just got to make it through another day. I hate that mentality. I'll be honest, I live in that mentality sometimes. But when you cling to Jesus, when you cling to this hope, in believing. And how is that done, guys? It's by receiving the word. You got to receive it. You can't believe it unless you're receiving it. You got to receive the truth. These promises, this hope. First Peter 1.13 tells us there this, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. So that's what we need to be thinking about, guys. Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4 says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, the home of God is now among his people, 
And he will live with them. And he will be with his people. God himself will be with them. And he will wipe away all their tears. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Isaiah 9-2 again. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. I love it, guys. One last scripture. Let's all turn to Psalm 39. The middle of your Bible. Psalm 39. The reason I'm having you guys turn here is because I want you to circle it and write Christmas next to it. That's what I did in my Bible. Because this is an Advent, a Christmas reminder that I don't find myself running in the rat race of what my culture has told me Christmas is supposed to be like, okay? Maybe it's just me seeing it here, but I think it's a great reminder for us. Psalm 39, look at verse 6. We are merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing amounts to nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord... Where do I put my hope? My hope is in you. Is that a good reminder, guys? Let's cling to that. Our hope is in him and him alone. Amen? Amen. And Father, we want to claim that this morning, personally. It's one thing to know it, but it's another thing to believe it by receiving it. And your word is clear on it, Father. You are our only hope. And our hope is in you, Jesus. Would you be so kind? Father, we know that you're loving. <laughs> and we know that in your love, Lord, you've promised to give us your spirit. And by that, Lord, we want, we want to allow your spirit, Lord, to empower us, Lord, to do what we really can't, Father. And for some reason, we want to cling to so many other things, hope in so many other things that just fail us. God, you need to be our all in all, our only hope. Help us hold on to you and you alone this Christmas season, Father. And for some reason, I, I just find myself thanking you for when we do put you first and we do things your way, everything else just seems to work out well. God, not always easy, but it just seems to work well because there's just something sweet about being close to you, trusting you, believing you, Father. We so look forward to the day that you come and your feet stand on the Mount of Olives, Lord, and you set things right. But until that day, Father, Lord, let us be light for you. Let us shine brightly, Jesus, especially this Christmas season. God, give us boldness and opportunity to speak of you, of the gospel of what the reality of Christmas is all about. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.